Yesterday, I read a book called True Love, A Practice in Awakening the Heart by Thich Nhat Hanh, a Zen Buddhist monk, poet, writer. In it, he discusses the act of mindfulness in relation to phone calls, both sending and receiving. And a mantra that he teaches to use before answering the phone is one that has been hanging out with me since yesterday. And that is to practice before answering the phone, say to yourself with a breath in and a breath out, I am determined to practice deep listening. Followed by, I am determined to practice loving speech. I'll say that again. I am determined to practice deep listening. I am determined to practice loving speech. If you do both, that phone call will be present. You will be hearing a conversation between me and two people today, Larry Benjamin and Kevin Ballantyne, both sound editors for Ozark and Better Call Saul, for which they received an Emmy nomination, which is such a kind acknowledgement of their efforts that I am grateful to have learned about. We got to talking about some old films I learned from this. We got to talking about two people who very much so appear to find comfort in what it is that they do and knowledge, very, very kind knowledge. I hope you can learn from them as well. I hope that the rest of your day or night or afternoon or morning is kind. I'm in a green field surrounded by trees. There's a woman to the left playing with her dog. There are ants on my ankles. Where are you at? What do you hear? And what do you feel? And what do you see? Here's my chat with Larry and Kevin. my gosh there you are you guys sounded like a robot for a second <laughs> it was like it was like hello there <laughs> hey guys can you guys hear me well all right good work that yeah this is keaton what's up hey hey uh, much, you know. Can you guys hear me where, okay? Where, where are you calling? 
I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Oh, Very good. Yeah. Where are you guys at? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But Larry's from Boston originally, and I'm from Cleveland. Oh. Exactly. I used to vacation in Michigan with my with my uh, family. Really? Where'd you go? Do you remember? Uh, God knows. No. Some lake. <laughs> some or lake. Or farm or something. Yeah, we, we got some uh, of those. You know, Something that something that wasn't in Ohio, but I'm sure you know. It's, uh, yeah. I don't know. They had free they had free cherries, so I was happy. <laughs> oh. What have you guys been up to today? How are you feeling? Uh, we're feeling good. You know, it's it's been yeah. very slow. We we kind of burned through all the material that we shot. Uh, you know, in terms of in our little sphere of television. Yeah. So a lot of downtime. We did a little uh, podcast, not podcast. We did a print interview this morning, a blog. Uh, Mm. So we've been doing. Uh, it's good. The PR department is very good. I will say. Good to hear, man. Congrats on congrats on your guys's nominations. How does that feel? Oh, thank you. Uh, great. You, you know, we we're a little seasoned at this point. In, in terms of course, we're always grateful. We're, yeah. It's nice to be asked to the dance, but but when it's announced, we never count on it. We we, we always expect <laughs> someone else to be announced. How do they How do they go about picking like individual episodes? Do you know like the process? Yeah, we submit. We get to pick the episode we want to put oh, up for. Oh, you know, okay. An episode of the season. We kind of decide amongst ourselves. Gotcha. Who we think has the strongest chance. But I, I tend to think it's more about like what series we're up against. You know, we're usually up against either. Well, for a while it was Game of Thrones, which we had no chance, and now we're up <laughs> like Stranger Things and Westworld. So it's yeah, like, uh, you know, we're, we never expect to be announced, but it's nice to be, you know, nice to be asked. For sure. Yeah, included in included in a bunch. Yeah, it feels good. Exactly. How'd you guys yeah. pick? How did you pick which episodes? Like, which which ones? No. There was a little bit of a... It was a consensus. I think on Ozark, we felt that the last episode uh, had a lot going for it because it was very much, uh, you know, the pinnacle of the season. And it had... Uh, it was like a classical piece of music. It had a lot of peaks and valleys to it, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of sonically. Um, and on Better Call Saul, we went with the one that sonically had a lot going on, but people just don't perceive that show as a big sound show. But a big shootout and walk through the desert. And then El Camino, that was just uh, the whole, that was just a standalone. So those, those three things we just kind of, you know, it was fun. Cool. Do you, do you guys, uh, how do you feel about award shows in general? You know, I, I think it's nice to have uh, recognition for, you know, exemplary work and all that. I, I just mm-hmm. think sometimes it can get a little bit carried away. It's like the award show for the award show, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like sometimes it can get a little silly. Uh, but, you know, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to have a contest in the creative market. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, 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 you know, if we were running a race and one guy or one girl came in a little sooner than the other, you have a clear winner. But, you know, it's like, who's the best guitar player? guys uh say who you are like which voice is which <laughs> sure sure uh, <laughs> I, uh, don't switch it up uh, on me i'm kevin sure we won't do that i'm kevin valentine <laughs> and i'm larry benjamin 
<laughs> welcome. Go. Larry's got the, uh, he, yeah, he's got the welcome voice, right? Welcome. <laughs> are you guys together right now, or are you in separate places? No. Wow. In separate places. That's incredible what we can get done nowadays. I know. Yeah, we had to, we had to mix a whole show remotely without even meeting the client in person. How did that go? Yeah. It went really well, well actually. Yeah, it did. Larry, we yeah, did it via Zoom, Zoom, and, and a playback, a dedicated playback system. And Larry went hog wild on Zoom, and he had about I don't know five, six, seven cameras and close up <laughs> well, cameras. What people feel engaged? Yeah, yeah. But it was great because after say a half hour uh, of the first uh, episode, you really do forget that you're not together in one room, and and, mm-hmm. and they felt the same way. So it actually worked out pretty cool. Good. It's good to hear. (laughs) So, what do you guys want to chat about today? Because we could we could get right into doing you know your work and how you're feeling about your work, but there's some other stuff that's been going on this summer, this year. I don't know if it's affected you guys, but if you wanted if you wanted to, yeah, we're happy to talk in any and all. You yeah, tell us we're happy to run with it. Is it the kind of thing? Is it? uh, for this particular thing, is it a blog, vlog, uh, audio kind of a thing? What's, what's the? Uh, it is just it is just straight audio, and usually uh-huh. usually they're longer and less like I don't particularly usually like get straight to just how was you, like how was working on the show? What was that like? You know, like right, right. I'll what do that if, if that's how it more. goes. But, but yeah, we could, we could really chew on some stuff if you guys want to talk about how the current state of affairs however you want to take that has affected your work your creative sure. and like feelings because yeah. it's pretty unprecedented i would feel like especially for you guys who you said you're seasoned you know this is still a everything that's happened has been a big wallop to the industry so i'd love to hear your perspective on it sure absolutely yeah. i mean right right now we you tell us when we should go we're good to go Oh yeah, we've been recording since since I uh, answered the phone there. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, we're terrible. <laughs> no, <laughs> no worries. Sorry about that. I've been recording uh, for about a okay. month now, guys. <laughs> oh well, good. Well, so you're recording what we were talking about last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it has affected us. Uh, yes, it certainly affected us. The Major. I mean, we're used to kind of socializing with clients and having developing a rapport in person. Yeah. So now we had to kind of rethink what's our approach going to be working remotely and having nobody on the stage. And at first, there were no protocol. So Kevin and I are trying to figure out what are the best practices, safety-wise. You know, at the time, there wasn't even mask guidance, and we, we, you know, Kevin would come in with an article. I'd come in with an article. We should wear masks. We shouldn't wear masks. We should not wear gloves. Wear gloves. You know, there was, there was just no structure from the company at that point, or any company. So we were kind of yeah. figuring out as we went, and would do clunky things like conference calls, speakerphones, when we were playing back to the client. Always sending high quality audio, mm-hmm. video, usually at the, in the form of a QuickTime. And then we said, "This thinks Let's let's." There are other technologies out there, so we used EPS Cineworks to stream a stereo down mix to the client's place, laptop, mm. stereo headphones. How does that and work? And then eventually we very well. <laughs> uh, always little hiccups, as you can imagine, because at the time, every single person in the country was at home watching Netflix or Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So there were, there, were, there were glitches. But uh, as Kevin said before, we, we really kind of employed Zoom uh, early on because everybody was used to that socially. Mm-hmm. And, and now here we were able to have eye contact and you could see everybody at the same time in their reaction. So that was much more immersive. 
and then that we returned to kind of form with banter and had fun, and it wasn't so clunky. Right. Hmm. So, so you guys is most of your work then? Most of your work is together these days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, myself, and our our recorders, uh-huh. uh, Noah, have been together for since this whole thing started. So we're kind. Of, we're, we we feel like we're we're safe to be in the same room together. Right. We're very cautious with what we do. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, we have been in the, the room together, just us, for months and months and months. And, and uh, you know, when other people come in, like texts or whatever, we're a little <laughs> suspicious and we don't know, even though they're probably safe, too. But yeah. it, it was uh, it was good for us, at least. We, we felt uh, that we could be in the room and not worry about anything. As a matter of fact, we, would, we put signs up on the doors where we would not have the cleaning crew come in at night. Mm-hmm. The idea was to have uh, as little traffic in and out of the room or people in the room at the same time, and uh, it seemed to work out okay. <laughs> it, it did, and the only frustrating part was, and this is not any fault of the facility, it's just really the nature of what happened. We kind of have to lose some of the creature comforts we get used to. You know, yeah. And the, the yeah. facilities are known for having nice spreads and socializing you know, in common spaces and things like that. We just had to kind of really change the way we did it, and everyone was really to themselves you know we had a few stages downstairs and on the fourth floor of this building we had an additional two stages and uh, never the twain shall meet we never saw the mixers that worked on the fourth floor and vice versa so we were all really kind of siloed into our own little mixing uh spaces our environments and we tried to make them as sanitized we were constantly swabbing down the deck as it were uh because we didn't want to take any chances you know we were at the time taking a risk coming in, even though we weren't really uh, socializing with others, even just amongst ourselves, no one really knew what this thing was or how it was easily transmitted or not, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah early on it was a little, a little uh, dodgy, yeah. but then yeah. we kind of got into a good flow. So yeah. you don't you don't think that it hindered your work too much? It didn't affect it didn't affect your creativity or, or how, how com- like no, your comfortability? We, yeah, I'm sorry to, to cut you off. No For worries. Us, it was Business, business as usual. We were doing our job in our room, in our typical environment, typical monitoring, and you know, piping it out to the world. So we were doing what we normally did. Uh, exactly right. We, we just threw. <laughs> if you picture us like juggling, we just had to throw another ball or two in the air, mm-hmm. working Zoom because now Zoom had that element of okay, there's a latency between that platform and the streaming platform, which is we were using, you know, Evercast basically right. uh, to stream the picture and the sound. So there's obviously a little muting game that you have to do. Even just on Zoom itself, people have to do that, you know, so you don't get feedback and mm-hmm. such. But, but besides those kind of minor mechanics, Kevin's right, it really uh, at first was a, uh, no consequence to us. And there are other facilities that are doing it in a much more cumbersome fashion. Like they'll have the dialogue mixer separate, they'll have the effects mixer separate, they'll bounce you know, kind of stems back and forth and then send a quick time as it's married up to the client and then back again. Uh-huh. We were doing it real time, you know, live. Yeah. From stage. That's such an interesting place that you guys are in. in ter- like, because I've talked to a couple of people that have been doing, like, more on-set jobs here and there and they've yeah. just been like, yeah, it's not, <laughs> I don't, I've just been sitting at home, you know, so it's, it's really cool that you guys can still manage to, to work. So, so what kind of people are you still 
like what kind of jobs are you still doing? Are there still productions going on that need your no, need your work? That's not the case. That's the problem. <laughs> right? You know, it was really what was ever the luck of the draw. What was in the pipeline? So feature films, you know, kind of yeah. wrapping up stuff that was already shot uh-huh. and uh, was edited uh, for television. Certainly, animation and gaming mm-hmm. didn't take a hitch at all. But uh, but yeah, the kind of the scripted, dramatic, episodic television. Uh, you know, unless it was stuff for the streaming platforms that shot well in advance, and there were a few shows like that, but on the whole, uh, we just kind of burned through some things, and then I finished up doing a thing, a solo thing, really helping out a client that mixed in New York, and as you know, uh-huh. New York was the epicenter, uh, so they had to shut down uh, the mix stage there, and he was mixing uh, in Atmos, and finished it off at his apartment, just taking a best guess, so we were streaming, uh, he sent all his elements to me, I was streaming it back to him, he had a copy of the session so we could hear it, and then we had the showrunner off in Los Angeles, she was quarantined, uh, and listening again through Evercast and Zoom, and it, and it worked, I was kind of like a remote set of hands for this mixer, you know? mm-hmm. but I was the only one actually monitoring it properly, everybody was just hearing it in stereo over headphones, so there really has to be a lot of trust, but I think Kevin and I discovered after talking to some of the showrunners that they like the convenience of not having to commute. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot to be said for this new workflow, which I, I think once uh, human interaction returns and some normal behavior returns and, and this thing wanes a little bit, we'll, we'll see some people return to the stage, but I don't think it'll ever be to the level that we used to see even six months ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you think it's going to... There's a... Friend, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say your friend or who you were talking to in production, uh-huh. uh, it, it took them a... You know, they were they were in, in a, they're in the the business where there are a hundred people around, mm-hmm. and they're all you know chatting, touching, talking, the whole deal. We are a smaller group of people, so the production thing is insane. And they that in this that portion of the business did not know what to do, and they do now have guidelines to start production again. Really, so what kind of st- what know. kind of stuff yeah. are they looking at? Yeah, looking at uh, everything, yeah, but yeah. from like having zones, work zones, where uh, they're, they're calling it, you know, like in sports teams, they're bubbling everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a friend who's an actress who's up in Canada, and she has to quarantine for two weeks before actually showing up on the set. Wow. So there's certain kinds of shows that'll be shot. This isn't practical if you live in the city and you can't go home to your family, but if you're shooting, let's say, in New Zealand or a faraway place like Iceland you can basically rent out a hotel and have the entire crew stay there and quarantine mm-hmm. together. And there's things like a safety monitor who will do temperature checks regularly and obviously fast result tests, uh, food individually packaged instead of having craft services with the communal right. snack bins and, right. you know, <laughs> and sharing uh, M&Ms and peanuts and such. But uh, yeah, so there's a certain protocol changes there and, and really having only the necessary crew uh, on set, you know, typically it's a lot of hard up and wait, a lot of sitting around. And Kevin said it's often hundreds of people. Uh, so, you know, even the final zone of the actors and actresses who aren't going to wear masks, you know, everyone else will have PPE and mm-hmm. handling, uh, you know, lighting and shared things like that. They'll probably wear gloves and sanitize. But the final zone, the actors and actresses, will have to be treated very carefully, you know, right. maybe even putting their own microphone on, maybe not having so much touching and. Uh, with makeup and hair, you know what I mean? It's, it's really going to change. And then visual effects will do things like virtual backgrounds. And I heard a soap opera is using 
uh, a stand-in like that, like the actor will have his loved one, his real spouse, to you know do a kissing scene with, you know that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That actress. Yeah, and you know dummies and things like that. You know, people are going to get creative. You know, we we have to continue. The show must go on. So, uh, you know, you've talked to some colleagues that are working from home, be it visual effects, uh, yeah. and editing. Same goes for us. Yeah. And you, and you say it's going to yeah, change they, then, like you you suggest that it's going to change permanently even after it's done. What what kind of thing? Like, do you think that's going to be true for like on set production that <clears throat> that some of these guidelines are going to become like normalized even after protocol? I like, do. I really do because it it becomes a budgetary concern. It's it's like this is going to be lingering with us for a while. Yes, let's say the big you know. Uh, infection rate and all that passes in, in a year or whatever. But after that, much like after the Great Depression, people were very concerned about money. People are going to be very concerned about health and contamination. So I do feel it'll be just essential cast and crew. And, you know, we're realizing that everyone's essential in terms of turning <laughs> to a production, yeah. but does everybody need to be there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be on a small set at the end of the month, and the way we're doing it is like, I think it's like a couple of different teams and then instead of everybody being on set at once one team comes in and does what they have to do and then leaves the other team comes in and does what they have to do and so on yeah interesting yeah yeah Yeah, I'm I'm really curious now it's really going to take forever to shoot something well okay and that's to to the end I I have uh, a contact who producer on Game of Thrones and he was telling me that he's on his next production for HBO he was saying that everything is going to cost 30% more because shorter hours more days all these procedures that we're talking about add additional time to the process so taking temperature checks taking you know tests uh, staggered lunches you know what what used to be kind of the lunch lunch was that kind of time Uh, yes it was an hour but then there was what we would call the post lunch honeymoon that period of getting back (laughs) you know procedure would would linger on beyond the hour well now it's it's seemingly going to be more efficient but not really because it's going to be in zones and shifts and and there's not going to be a real kind of lunch break it'll be you break now uh, or maybe don't break you just kind of eat your packaged your airline style packaged meal or lunch that you bring in Uh, but things are going to take longer the shoots won't be 10 days maybe it'll be 12 or 13 that kind of thing yeah do you do you think then the craft's going to suffer because productions that don't have the budgets that can increase by 30% like are just going to be indefinitely cut off or I know I've already seen many that have just been straight out canceled like there will there will be those yes but I also believe it's going to be the same thing you're seeing in the real world like in the restaurant business, you'll see people innovate. Uh-huh. So what is the restaurant business doing? I, I, there's a diner that I like to go to. They have a car hop service, you know, so they'll bring a tray to your car right. so you can be out in the parking lot. They've set out outside seating in a big kind of under tent with lattice and fake grass, make it kind of charming, trying to find creative ways. And I think production will do the same thing, uh, yeah. you know, be it virtual sets, kind of that giant LED screen technology, uh, CGI, uh, you know, essential people only. Maybe the writing towards certain scenes will, will modify a little bit. Mm. Maybe using yeah. more exotic locations into the writing. You know, right? Exotic. Yeah. So I, I think innovation will drive that. I, I, you're right, though. Certain things will go away. Yeah. Certain, mm-hmm. uh, what might be like the indie films, unfortunately, some of those might suffer. Yeah. If people want to continue, they have to get clever. You know, <laughs> we we all do it and and just it just may take a while to come up with these little cheats if you will to uh-huh. uh, have a convincing uh 
TV or, or movie and have it look the same, sound the same, but do it differently. Hmm. Yes, exactly right. And, and, you know, we feel safe. We're going into a thousand square foot mixing stage, yeah. uh, but it's just three of us. You know what I mean? And if, even if we had three other additional people on the stage, it's still fairly safe, whereas a set, you know, especially if it's in a house, someone's house that you're renting out, and they may not do that. Like I said, things might just be oh, like yeah. out you know mm. that, yeah. that's the thing it's just the people the density of people the quantity of them in these tight locations we've seen that in our neighborhoods out in Los Angeles they're often renting out a house and uh, these are spaces not meant for 150 people right oh I never thought about the the, the rental houses yeah 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 they're gonna they're gonna think well do I want 10 grand to have 150 people in my house for three days <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> They're gonna have to. They're gonna. They're gonna put a termite tent over it, you know, and just <laughs> gap the whole. Thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what have you guys learned? Do you think, considering your jobs in the pandemic, about your, about like your work ethic or or the the requirements that you may have felt that you needed before in terms of comfort or like things that you've been able to adapt to? What What do you think you've taken most strongly? I think we've adapted well to this. We're very social uh, mixers, and we have a good rapport with the clients, and uh, I think that's one of our strong skills. I mean, I think at this level, uh, I would like to say that our, our colleagues are all kind of a commensurate skill set, give or take, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's really more, well, how do we differentiate ourselves? At this point, we can't do a song and a dance uh, in person, so we have to really make that extra effort to engage remotely, you know, using Zoom, and we, I think we've done that. And, you know, as Kevin said, you, re- you remove that veil of separation you know, we amplify the audio coming from Zoom so it sounds like they're actually in the room. It's very clear, uh, you know, a lot better than even a, a cell phone, obviously. It's things like that. Uh, we, it, it kind of towards the end, wheeled in a big monitor. We could see people's little Zoom thumbnails much bigger. So we try to make it engaging, and then we mm-hmm. are engaging. We're, you know, giving them the play-by-play. This is what we're doing. Let's talk about this. Let's play this. Uh, you, you know, it's really engaging the client. It takes more effort because it's not they're not in the room so they have to always kind of know what you're up to and uh, i think yeah. we kind of removed that obstacle of separation that could, that could seem to even maybe like increase engagement because there's this thing like okay obviously we can't do things as normal so we have to do them in this other fashion but that could cause you to actually like maybe pay more attention or or focus on the way that you interact even right. more attentively exactly. you're lean into it a little bit more and and focus you're right you you can't because it's easy to be distracted you know, we can see, it's very funny, Kevin and I have noticed, we would have never seen people's homes before, you know, just as we see <laughs> our newscasters or, or celebrities, but now we're seeing the producers' homes, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's less formal in some ways. Yeah. Right? You know, there's not that barrier, right? right. You know, when, when they come into the mixing stage, there's physically a platform where they <laughs> are, and it's like a physical level of superiority. Mm-hmm. Here, we're seeing them, you know, in their sweats and sitting on a couch, eating soup, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? So in, in some ways, it's a little bit more disarming. Yeah, it's humanizing. I, I like the way you said that physical yeah. superiority. Like, there, you can't really have many yeah. airs about you if you're just sitting on your couch. Because, yeah, because right. when you're home, you're supposed to be you or whatever that means. And then if you're if you're doing your work from there, it's like, well, I guess there's nowhere to go. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and we pushed the envelope, and, and I think it went too far at one point. One of the showrunners on the very last show, he had to kind of just relinquish trust and control. He was on Catalina Island, which is this remote island not far off of uh, Long Beach. Uh-huh. And the internet connection was terrible, and it was spotty and dodgy, and he just finally said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
sign off and trust you guys and you know trust the other showrunner and I think that's kind of as far as you can push it uh, I mean you know short of being on an airplane and making to this uh, you know being in a remote location like that was a little bit probably to the edges of the boundaries of what we could do <laughs> yeah. you know? hey at least you know the boundary <laughs> it's an island <laughs> <laughs> we found them so how did you guys how did you guys create your little dynamic here how'd you find each other you know this is uh, years of working together uh, a lot of it is unspoken you know when you work with someone for so long mm-hmm. uh, you know it's like if you work someone's working a wood, a wood lathe or a metal shop or whatever we just know what we have different jobs it's like the same job title we're both re-recording mixers but we mm-hmm. handle different aspects Kevin handles anything you do with sound effects so background with sex fully I handle okay. the ballad and music and, and we just have a workflow a rhythm uh, just from working with each other you know we got it kind of dialed in at this point so there's a distinction then when you guys are doing your work there's like you you both usually know what you're doing there isn't much like weird competition or that's not really the right word but Uh, but it sounds like you have like in mind the only competition is uh you know normally an effect or a music balance thing and and um we we do what we think is right for the show and then if the producer comes in and says, "Okay, listen, we're just gonna we're just gonna turn all those effects down. This is gonna be more music driven," and, and then we do it. But <laughs> yeah. you know that's you know mm-hmm. I always I always and Larry does naturally with the music, but I always uh, you know make sure that the dialogue is, is being heard, mm-hmm. and I don't get in the way of that because that's first and foremost you got to have the, the dialogue at the top yeah and then the other things are like the music or effects in a say a chase scene or whatever mm-hmm. uh you know it's kind of pick and choose oh uh, we need to hear this word that's important to the story or if it's not boom just run over it with the car and the music <laughs> and we don't care but yeah we give and take for w- what's necessary this morning when we we did an interview we kept saying that we do what's right for the project mm-hmm. or the scene and and we do not uh we and uh, this is not our not our show right right yeah exactly. we, we we do what we think is right and and we were saying this morning that there are some mixers uh we heard about who who refuse to do things when asked to and and uh, and we would always say well look this is is not our baby we're, we're trying to help bring this thing around and make it bigger and better but i mean we can't voice an opinion like that we <laughs> could voice an opinion when something is going wrong you know that's that's not going to play on tv or, or this that and the other but uh, yeah we we do what's right for the the show or the scene i mean that's really what it's all about yeah, we don't have a horse in the race. You know, obviously we'll <laughs> offer our opinion creatively when asked, and, and just by nature of doing what we do, we'll give it our take on on the balance that we do. But uh, yeah, and there are times we're often left to our own devices. If it's a three day mix, the first day it's really just up to us. We're crafting it, and some shows ninety percent of that balance stays or more, and then other shows, you know, you, you take it apart more down to the studs, and yeah, you know, it just depends uh, on the show how precious. Uh, someone wants to get but you know we don't take it personally if I have a scene that you know the entire scene for whatever reason was looped uh, and and the ADR editor spent hours or days cutting that and I spent a long time mixing it if the client comes in and feels it doesn't work and they like you know what let's go back to production I can't argue with them and say no no I spent all this time of course whatever you want I throw it out the faders mute the stuff and 
you know, put in production again. And, and it's like, that's our job, as Kevin says, is really to facilitate the, the client telling the story. You know, our job is to help with that uh, goal. That seems a really powerful skill to have, to learn to remove yourself from the project and, like, I guess just acknowledge what your duty is specifically and not bring your personal like feelings into it is that something that yeah. you either of you have struggled with like in the past with like like maybe you did something you thought you just you edited the heck out of it and you're like yeah <laughs> and then and then they were like no like did that ever make you feel a certain way that you're like but you know i mean maybe internally i have a couple instances but generally speaking we don't personalize this stuff because yeah you know yeah. we did a show uh, for noah holly uh, that ended last year it was called legion yeah a very creative show sonically and, and there were no for rules sure. to anything uh, you know in terms of where we were in someone's mind or, or we were in a flashback or you know whatever in the past and the future so we could kind of have fun you know audio toys wise uh, so there's really no right or wrong. It was more kind of gradations. It was showing the client, hey, we can do this. So it was kind of fun. Uh, and if we took it too far, you know, they would tell us. But <laughs> we never really get so personally vested that, you know, we would push back and say, ah, you know, whatever. Maybe sometimes you'll have an internal feeling like, yeah, I thought that worked better this way. But it's yeah. still really their vision. So we kind of leave, leave your ego at the door kind of thing. That's a, that's a comfortable yeah. that's a comfortable place to be. Yeah, especially I like to use the word ego in terms of, the ego, there's not much work to do there because you know exactly what your place in the the, the machine is. Like you, you just yeah. you yeah. flow right through. We're, we are, yeah, exactly. We can be creative within those guidelines. And in, in mm-hmm. other words, no one's telling us specifics. Well, Kevin, you should use this reverb uh, and this amount on this and compress this Larry three to one. And, you know, no one's telling us the, the kind of the tech. It's, it's really accomplish this how you see fit. Uh, and you know, fade that out here. Let's let's go into the soup, and you know, we can present our best version of something, and, and if it works, great. You know, maybe they'll just tweak it a little bit and finesse it, mm-hmm. uh, get out the sable brush. But if not, we'll wipe the canvas clean and, and start again. So we we have a lot of latitude, but we do know our role. We know our yeah. place in this creative process for sure. That's a, that's a really unique job. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of autonomy, but not so much so that we're creating something from scratch, like a writer yeah. yeah. uh, or right. a director. I know. Do you guys want to, uh, each of you, maybe pick a a scene from any any show that you've done recently or film you've done recently and maybe just describe to me like like what you're given and then the process of how you make that scene come to life, like just a, a, a brief explanation of like what your work is. You can, you can pick anything you'd like. Uh, sure. Uh, I will pick something we spoke about this morning and it, I'm actually downplaying my, my work on, on, on <laughs> the show, but it's the last scene in, in the, the Ozark episode with the gunshot mm-hmm. where the, the blood splatters. And I said, that's probably the easiest thing that I ever had to do, Ooh. you know, and, and it seems like, oh, it's, it's such a big deal. The gunshot this and we this. And, but you see, between the, the setup and the acting and the silence and the, and the way it was shot, that scene is startling even without a great shotgun sound or without a great gun sound. Now, we worked on the gun sound a bit, but nowhere near as long as, as we've worked on other scenes. You know, we would work on scenes for two hours. But that one was an easy, easy peasy. And, I, you know, I just raised my hand and say, yeah, look how great I am. That gunshot was something. Wasn't that shocking? I did that. I shocked the hell out of everyone. 
So sometimes when you get when you when you finish, does it just feel like like yeah, that's it, like that's the like how do you know when that to stop? One for sure. Well, that again, I, I have to give credit to everyone uh, before us on that one. Uh huh. There was only so much room we could bend things in that uh, scene because mm-hmm. it was laid out perfectly. The setup, the yeah. shots, the angles. Uh, prior to it so um, yeah uh, yeah that that's uh, I that was that was a it was such a great scene and everyone I talked to I saw the episode yeah. they, they at the end that gunshot scared the hell out of us and, and, and Larry and I said yeah every time we watch it it scared the hell out of us and we knew it was coming <laughs> it, it, exactly right and you know sometimes it's, it's interesting because that type of thing is, Kevin's right, it's more straightforward than sometimes the subtle stuff, the stuff that you wouldn't think would be harder or more challenging is to kind of recreate, you know, this sparse space. And we yeah. get that a lot in Saul where there's a lot of space between the notes. And mm-hmm. even in those are, you know, scenes where it's someone walking and, and Kevin has to kind of sell, okay, well, we're out in the Ozarks and there's a different uh, sound palette depending on the season in the summer than there is in the winter, different insects, different winds, different bugs, different... Uh, he's working fully as if it's a character. So stuff like that takes more actual crafting than, you know. So what do you like do? What do you big... what do you do to find those specific sound effects? Or And also, are the Foley effects just given to you? Or how does that work? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're cut uh, for, for, well, actually for all three projects that were up uh, for a nomination on. It was all through Nick Forshager. And which is another uh, benefit to working with the same people. We've been working with Nick Consol and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Ozark for years now, and then uh, El Camino. So uh, we we communicate without even talking many times. But the uh, say, for instance, on Ozark, the, the environment, all the bugs, mm-hmm. the, the various this, various that. Yes, I'm given all that, and wow, you know. We had we had mentioned this before. You're only as good as the material that you get to mix. Uh, you know, uh, you know. And I know for Larry, if he has absolute shit dialogue, he could twist knobs forever, and it's just going <laughs> to get to a certain level. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good, but it's not going to be great, and it's always going to drive him crazy when it goes by. Uh, on Ozark and all these shows, I just get such premium uh, effects and backgrounds and foley. Yeah, uh, that. Uh, it, it makes such a big difference, and, and in the past, Foley is very difficult to record and sound realistic. And in the past, I've had to mix Foley and try to make it sound realistic when it really didn't to begin with, and it's mm-hmm. hard to do. But the Foley I get right now is is just so Tops. good that it mixes it mixes in uh, which with far less effort and. You know, effects, backgrounds, music, dialogue—all these good elements lead up to a much, much better sounding show. Yeah. Or at least, right? Stand at hand of having a better sounding show. That, that's right. We get these great sous chefs, and we're just kind of cooking these wonderful ingredients. <laughs> uh, so when you have good raw materials, it, it helps a lot. And then, then we kind of tell the listener, "This is what we're doing. We're going to fade this out." And, and other crews that haven't worked together for a while, like I don't have to tell Kevin; he doesn't have to tell me. Like he doesn't tell me, okay, we're done speaking here. We're going to go up with the music gently, and I'm going to fade out. I'm going to cross fade <laughs> out the background. It's just a kind of a little unspoken dance that yeah. we do, uh, which which is great. That's just from 
you know, workflow that you've worked with someone for a long time to develop that, uh, that, that shorthand. So that's super helpful uh, for that. In the same episode, uh, not the same episode, same series, Ozark, I really enjoyed um, when Marty was being tortured by mm-hmm. Navarro. Uh, he was downstairs in his cave, and you know it was a, it was a real space, but it certainly it didn't have any reverb on it. And I got to play a little bit with trying to make it sound immersive and make it colder and make it more dangerous than it was. Uh, having some fun in surrounds. That show we don't do in Dolby Atmos; we mix it in five point one. Uh-huh. But even then, it's incredibly uh, enveloping. And I would put different reverbs and different delays and different channels, and, and uh, had some fun with that. And then there's one section he's being tortured. Uh, with some music. Now, I actually had the music... Uh, oops, sorry, it's my dog. I had the music oh, no uh, far less credence. Um, uh, originally, I had the music kind of full fidelity, and it was great because you know, it was like full and loud, and it was kind of what was torturing Marty, but the picture editor and Jason really wanted it more squeezed uh, to sound like it was you know, kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those instances where I, I liked it the way I had it, but I could totally see the way they wanted it, and I yeah. put up no fight whatsoever. I'm like, of course, this is, this is what you do. Uh, this is what they want. So, yeah, it, that was a gratifying thing. I, I enjoyed doing that. It had really good elements. And, uh, the production dialogue captured on that show by Flip Barrero is uh, exemplary. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for that. I'm I'm excited to watch. I always love uh, rewatching the projects of the guests that I have on because it just becomes a different a different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you hear how the sausage is made, right? You, you get a little <laughs> more insight into, oh, that's what you guys do. How how is the show for you guys, or the things that you work on? Since because you're not doing, you know, like, I mean, the sound. I would say the sounds pretty important, but <laughs> but like, how how is it emotionally and just as a viewer? Is it difficult to remove yourself from it? Are you are you still like, oh, I did that, I did that, or can you can you find uh, I mean, yourself? It, we we're both fans and. Uh, people on the show so we we enjoy it from the perspective as a fan mm-hmm. so when we watch watch it down watch a cut of it in advance it's like oh that's a great show but we also we, we can go in and out and Kevin's really good at this he can listen to a show and not really know what's going on because he's focusing intently on what he's doing yeah. uh, it's obviously easier for me I'm actually hearing the spoken word so I can focus on the story but uh, you know we, we can go in and out we can watch it from a perspective from a technical perspective and like mm-hmm. okay this needs this 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 section needs to be cleaned uh, dialogue wise this section needs a lot of support effects wise but then we can also even during a playback watch it back like well that's pretty good that's what happens oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when yeah. we do a, when we do a, our first playback to the client it's the first time that we can listen as a viewer mm-hmm. and uh, and many times when it's done you know I'll say to Larry or vice versa. Wow, that that plays well. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's that's the best compliment, you know, that, mm-hmm. because that's what the viewers are going to respond to. You know, they're going to just say, "Wow, I was enveloped in this whole thing." I, I, you know, I I didn't look at my phone one time. You know, that's right. That, that's right. meaningful. That's what really counts. For yeah, sure. and you know what? There are shows, and we won't name them, but there are shows that Kevin and I've worked on where. Uh, I remember pre-dubbing with you on a show, and you—it's crying for music. Like these shows are very bold. You know, Ozark and Saul and El Camino—they don't rely on music. Matter of fact, when when Vince Gilligan cuts on his shows, uh, it's that's part of the de facto workflow: is don't put in music, don't tamp in music. So they don't rely on that to, yeah. to move the story along. So, but we were doing a series that had as much music as it had show. I mean, mm. more so. It 
give it credit. It was a 43 minute show. It had 44 minutes of music. And we were getting the music in piecemeal. And I remember at one point, we had one minute without music. And we're like, where's the cue? Where's the cue? <laughs> just the way it was pacing, it just didn't work without music. And then sure enough, they ended up putting a cue in there. Yeah. Yeah, that can be a bit. That can be a bit tiring if it's constantly led yeah. by like that. Yeah, I don't. It I watch. No meaning it has no import. I just watched something. I can't think of it. I just watched a movie. Um. Oh, <laughs> I actually watched the Transporter last night. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that with Jason Statham? No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's like it's a it's an action movie from two thousand, but there's this scene where like. It, it was one of the first times in a while that the music was just like, what do we have going on here? I think basically he, he there's this girl in a trunk. He's like a transporter, so he doesn't look at the packages that he delivers, whatever, whatever. And he goes into the trunk, and there's a girl. She's the package. And so he opens it up, and like he's just looking at her. And it could just be like a, wow, there's a human in my trunk. But it, it's just like really intense romantic ballad comes in like for like three minutes. <laughs> and, and it just like... I almost I like wanted to mute the TV because I was just like, the shots aren't bad here. <laughs> Why do we have this like love story just immediately like okay, finds a girl in the trunk. Right. Yeah. We've had yeah. that happen. We've had instances where we'll put in, you know, the, the composer or the, the um, you know music supervisor will place a piece of music that to us just baffles us like it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, but then somehow it will work or somehow they'll replace it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. We've, yeah. Had a, we've had those instances. You guys didn't work on the transporter, right? No, we did not. <laughs> okay. We would own it. We would have jumped in with you. Oh, yeah, that too. That doesn't make any sense. What were they thinking? Yeah. So what are, what are you guys fans of then, uh, non-work-wise? What do you guys enjoy watching just as non-mixers? Blah, 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 blah. Wow. Uh, I mean, I like, like, Black Mirror, uh, mm-hmm. Billions, you know, some of those sh- shows like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I enjoyed Homeland. Um, what else? Is, you know, uh, kind of the sci-fi shows, of course. You know, movies like Star Wars. I, I have a soft spot on my heart for that. But, yeah. Uh, kind of, I'm not a big horror, but I do like suspense, drama suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, what, what have we seen? Kevin and I have seen, we saw, like, Interstellar together. That was kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Momentum. Yeah, momentum. Nolan fans? Yeah, I can't say. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I said Nolan fans. <laughs> uh, yes, well, yes. Oh, yeah. we got some apprehension there. The one, the loud passage in Interstellar, right? <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, and I don't point out. Mitch is a friend of mine. I, I can't point out. But that's the thing, you know. It's, it's creative decisions. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the directors. That's the interesting thing. So films are really the directors' media. And television is the producer's medium. Mm-hmm. We don't even, most of the time, see directors on a, on a mixing stage ever. You know, unless they have a dual role, like, you know, they're also producing. That right. Kind of thing. Yeah, that's so, interesting to think but about. Yeah, I think we're fans of that. We're also fans. We love the shows where you get, you know, blessed to be able to work on them. We love watching those shows, too. But shows that are like that. Yeah, did I agree. S- Did sound stick out to you guys? Like when you were younger, when you were wa- when you watched films when you were younger, if you watched television when you were younger, was sound ever something that seemed to be like like it had a special sort of appearance to you, or did it just seem yeah, to fall? Yeah, for me, when I, I, I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater 
when uh-huh. I was young, and yeah. I really that I remembered the sound, and I remember thinking wow. that that was very cool, and I knew that it was obviously created because we're in a fantasy world, and uh-huh. and I and I didn't necessarily want to pursue it as a career then, but I you know kind of planted seeds, and then curiously when I was younger still, I used to watch these kind of Saturday disaster type projects like. Uh, uh, Godzilla or yeah. Mothra, gargantuan from, you know, they, they were actually done in Japan, but they were dubbed in America. And I remember being a kid saying, I don't understand that it's, the sound effects are in sync, but the dialogue, it's, 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 you know, it's obviously Japanese. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now yeah. they do it very differently. Yeah. They don't do that. They, they translate the language and they paraphrase and they yeah. get right in sync. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I remember questioning that then, so that kind of sparked my interest, but I just kind of filed that away. You know, mm-hmm. How do we, that was an M&E. Cool. The, uh, I mean, the, the sonic quality of TV and movies was just really, really horrible for the longest time. <laughs> uh, you know, well, I, I, you know, it was the state of the art at the time. But uh-huh. when we when we started getting out of uh, uh, mag sound and getting into five one, you mm-hmm. know, in the theater, then it really it really uh, would perk you up, you know, because it was a much 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 better I'm watching the Beverly Hillbillies right now believe it or not because yep. uh, the remake because I am <laughs> no no the original <laughs> <laughs> you know what I have to tell you something my wife Denise, Denise and I are watching it and um, you know you think of it as a goofy show like Hee Haw or something like that but it's actually very clever really the way they oh yes yes at least in the beginning we're still in the first season but the way they before they wrote how they wrote uh, the story of these people who knew nothing about modern life and and the way they wrote it, it was really really clever you know this was this was high level writing but you don't right. think of the show as being like that but there's no uh, you know the, the sonic quality of that thing is, is pretty bad what's the general yeah I mean a lot of What's the general plot of the Beverly Hillbillies show? Uh, it's uh, they're they're a, they're a, the, you know a hillbilly family as they call themselves, and uh, he he is shooting for food and he hits uh, oil, mm. and and he gets like twenty five million dollars for this oil. And they move to Beverly Hills. Wow, just like and, that, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, just like that. I mean, right? It's so insanely ridiculous, the plot. Uh, and they show up in Beverly Hills, and, and Granny's on the back with a rocker. She's yeah, on the yeah, with yeah. a rocker, you know? And he's got a shotgun, and he's in the riding shotgun, you know? And, and, and uh, so it's them getting used to living in this mansion in Beverly Hills. And, you know, to begin with, uh, the, mo- the mother, the Granny, is putting wood in a... Uh, an oven. It's a gas oven, but she's putting. <laughs> Come on, granny. In real life. Granny. Yeah. Very fish out of water. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, What's the uh, theme song for that? Uh, you you go. With it. It's like a banjo. Uh, you know, uh, here's a little tale about a man named Jen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, whatever. It's the story. Uh, he became a millionaire. <laughs> you know, I don't remember, but there's something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, it's very uh, homespun. How do you think uh, yeah. they would look today if the Beverly if if we had a present day Beverly Hillbillies while during pandemic? How do you think their transition would look? Well, that's, that's, <laughs> you're throwing another wrinkle at it with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was, I, you know that was, yeah. 
It could be like the characters in Ozark that get rich. It could be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's like we talked about uh, uh, Hogan's Heroes, which is another strange... Are you familiar with Hogan's Heroes, uh, Keaton? Not intimately, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're talking about older, older shows, but that's a show that would not fly nowadays. Yeah, is that about like a military camp uh, or something? Oh, it was a prison camp run by uh, the Nazis and uh, (laughs) the the Americans and a bunch of people from all different walks of life are running this underground, uh, you know, under the the POW camp, you know, (laughs) smuggling people in and out and blowing things up, sabotaging all that. It's kind of funny, but I mean, I can only imagine the pitch. And it has a laugh track, very much like Beverly Hills kind of laugh track. Yes, what I jinxed too. But if you took some yeah. laugh tracks out, would there be some some dark stuff in there? You know, um, I, I, I think, think it's still very funny. It's sticky, slapsticky, funny, and, and yeah, uh, ironically, a lot of the German Jews, uh, Germans were played by Jews, a lot of the Nazis were played by Jews at the time. Huh. Funny. Yeah, and they're they're also very, you know, they're they're buffoons, you know, and, and the, the prisoners are definitely above the uh, the. The Nazis, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, yeah, that's that's a fun thing to to watch. I just watched the Grand Illusion this year, Renoir. Have you guys seen that? I have not. Was, is that uh, wasn't there a, a Grand Illusion two, or am I thinking of another movie? I don't know. The one I, the one I've seen is a okay. French a French movie from the thirties, but it, it makes me think of that. Oh, no. No, sorry. It's a really. It just felt really. Uh, it was made in thirty seven, but very relevant it's just about like a i don't i don't remember which sides or what but, but basically it's a prisoner camp but the the way that all of the characters interact is like there's there's no aggression or vengeance or like eagerness to be the victor or to be the either the prisoner or the people running the camp it's kind of just like nobody wants to be in the war right now and i mm-hmm. you you mentioning that made me think of it cuz it just felt it felt really it was like a spin on it that I never, I had never really seen in a movie where no one's excited to be fighting or to be keeping others captive. They're just like, "Yeah, we got to keep you prisoner, man." I'm sorry, but right, right, interesting. Yeah, yeah, very human, human side of that. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you when you see a war movie and and two guys face off and and they at one point they just look at each other and say. What the fuck am I killing you for? <laughs> right, you know, what did you do to you're me? Just a, you? you're, yeah, you're just a guy at home with a family like me, you know, and then they walk away, right? Are you guys into martial arts movies at all? I've seen uh, that genre before. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I'm into it, but I can appreciate it. I've been, I've been watching them pretty heavily lately, and thinking about the sound design, yeah. there's some crazy stuff going on there, just with all the weapons hitting and the... The jumping and the flying and the the muse—it's just—it's wild. There's a lot going on in there. It is. It is wild. Yeah, it's it's amazing these fight sequences that are choreographed and the amount of sound design that goes into it because it's usually they're they're uh, hyper realistic. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, not necessarily real, but uh, enhanced to the point of you know whooshes and hits and uh, yeah. higher impact sounding things mm-hmm. that you would normally hear in real life, but but it almost like superhuman. Yeah, there's something. Everything makes a noise. There's something really like operatic about it. Like since I don't usually watch them, when I started watching them again, I was kind of like thrown off, and it immediately you kind of react with just a little bit of humor because it's like whoa. Because sometimes they'll just fly through the air, or 
right. two swords will break three swords in half and they'll they'll block a thousand arrows. <laughs> but if you like give into like in particular, uh, I watched uh, Jet Li's Hero the other day, which is uh, Zhang right. Yimou, I think, directed it. But if you like give yourself to the hyperbole of the things that they do, it just becomes this really pretty like opera almost. It's like okay, they're meaningfully trying to be so you know grandiose it doesn't seem as comical and i, I really appreciate that because i don't exactly see right. it as much That's, i i couldn't agree more i, I watched uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon the other day and there were some of those exact scenes i watched that like, yesterday you know, yeah oh that's so cool I, i've actually seen it recently done over again visually with lightsabers which i thought was funny <laughs> really but yeah uh, including sound um but yeah that's a, a classic case of what you're saying that it's it, you put that aside, you, you just kind of accept it, okay, this is now part of the what we're watching. Like, I literally loved the Matrix films, or at least the first two, and, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of that kind of, you know it's not real, but you buy in. Like, once you buy in, uh, you can enjoy it much more, and, and you're not like, well, this could never happen, or, you know, this person, one fall would put them in a the hospital. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you kind of accept it. It's, it's fun as a viewer. I've got a cool question for you guys. If you could mix any movie or scene... Like, what would you pick? If, if you had to pick something that already exists, if you had to go back and mix it yourself. Boy, that's a great, that's a great question. Even uh, if it's already wow. perfect, just like your your spin, you know. Yeah, our little... I would, yeah, I would, uh, I would pick Perfect Storm. What's that? Uh, oh, only that be, Yeah, only because, honestly, I don't think I could do it. Uh, <laughs> because it was... He, he did such a good job in that... You know, most of the movie is just noise and sea noise and this noise and wind. And the way he sculpted it so it just was didn't beat you over the head the whole movie. And he, you know, you're, you're in the same spot. It should be loud. You should have waves. You should have uh, winds. And he ended up sculpting it so you got some relief and there are peaks and valleys in there. And I don't even know who did it right now, but I thought that was uh, uh, such a great thing a great movie and that would be fun to mix i've never even heard of that i'll, I, I, I'll have to check it out oh my god oh, yeah. Perfect storm. Yeah. it's wonderful it's like this giant storm that takes place with these you know it's kind of like the deadliest catch that reality show except it's not a reality show it's, it's you know a, <laughs> yeah. a dramatic movie uh, uh george clooney you know on the ship and it gets tossed around and kevin's right these giant waves it could get fatiguing because it's all kind of in that same yeah yeah white noise, right. you know but it does it has definition just hit the whoosh button again <laughs> Yeah. Did you did you see um, the Tom Hanks movie? Which one? Uh, I think it's Greyhound. <laughs> Greyhound. No, I, I have I not have seen Greyhound. Seen now you should you should you should watch that. It's 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 similar. Uh, it's a little. Uh, it's similar and and man, for the most part, they are doing battle on the ocean, and it's another movie where uh, very challenging. Hmm. To make it interesting and, and not kill you. I think we watched it on Apple. Apple. I'll have to check it out. Plus or Apple TV. Yeah. Uh, and Tom Hanks is amazing. It's Tom. Tom. Amazing. It's Tom. He's a great actor. Have you guys seen um, yeah. All Is Lost, the Robert Redford movie? Yeah, uh, that. Yes, there's, it's so funny because there's only like 30 pages of actual dialogue. I'm not even. Really? Uh, over the course of two hours. But yeah, it's, it's mostly. You know him on a ship alone, um, as you know, and it, that's a fascinating sound job in terms of 
the details. So know, it's worth a watch then? Yeah. I've had it on my list forever, but I've never sat down and actually watched it. It's yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a good film. It's a, kind of a very good character study, and you know, that's the challenge that we have on shows like Saul. Sometimes is there's a lot of space between the notes, and you got to keep it interesting. So mm-hmm. that that ship at sea being lost, you know, all the distances from shore sound different. The creaky ship, the ropes, uh, you know, all of this. The, the ship becomes like another character in the film. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I, you know, I, of course, I go to my the default. I love uh, the Empire. It's like my favorite. So. Uh, Star Wars film, The Empire Strikes Back, and yeah. I love the Battle of Hoth, of course, mm-hmm. uh, with the ATATs and the ATSTs and uh, the, the speeders and all that. It's just fun. Sonically, there's so much interesting sound going on. But, I mean, a lot of that really has the wonderful sound design that Ben Burke is so creative and inventive and, you know, stuff we'd never heard before and still stands up to the test of time 40 years later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, as, as a film that sonically really piqued my interest. I think the feeling I love is when I'm watching a movie and sometimes I'll be in the mode where I'm trying to think about it in terms of like, okay, so because because a lot of times I'll be thinking of the people that put the sound together and, and it's, sometimes it'll remove me from the movie, but I like when there's so much sound or there's so much happening that's flowing together so perfectly that I just give myself away to it and I stop even thinking about, you know, this person had to do this to make that sound like that because I'm just like, I don't even know how they... Right, made all of that happen, and that—that's well, what that's makes this thing so beautiful. That—that's when it's successful is when you get lost in the story and not the artifice. Yeah, and uh, that's—I I know exactly what you're talking about because we can do that. We can go to a movie and enjoy it as a film, you know, goer, or we can go in and out of it like, oh, that I heard that ADR line, or, or yeah. Kevin will notice, uh, you know, that pan, that pan from <laughs> uh, the footstep didn't match production or something like that. <laughs> but you know, if that's a problem for us if we're taken out of the story then obviously we're not riveted to the story but most of the time we just escape and i'm you know in and i forget that like everybody else you forget oh this underscore where's the orchestra you know it's you just buy it in you buy in and it's much more enjoyable you know from that perspective for sure all right guys we're, we're at an hour so we can we can wrap Holy it up cow. If, you, if you guys are good Sure. Yeah, that was, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, you were very engaging and asked some very insightful questions. It was and, fun. Uh, yeah, we really enjoyed it. This was my first interview since, I think, like February or something, so I appreciate you guys bringing such mm. color and no. comfort. It means a lot. Absolutely. Remember, if you need any voiceover, you know, for, for whatever, you know, intros and stuff, call Larry up. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. I, 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 hope, uh, I hope I can somehow cross paths with you guys once this whole thing gets over in the future eventually that'd that'd be nice yeah sure i don't know when i'm publishing this i've got a couple from a couple interviews from earlier in the year that i want to put out first uh but Mm -hmm. but should be probably first week of september maybe i'll put this up and i'll let you guys know okay okay cool cool thank you so much guys talk to you soon thank you Bye. Alrighty. Have a good evening.